You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Have you ever wondered who the Mary was from Bloody Mary? If the Loch Ness Monster was real or if Ouija boards actually worked? On each episode of the family-friendly Unspookable, we look at the histories and mysteries behind your favorite scary stories, myths, and urban legends to get the real stories behind the scares. Want to solve your next mystery? Find and follow Unspookable now wherever you get your podcasts. I feel like who art ed? Who art ed? Mr. Wood art ed me. Either way, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts in an audio medium. I'm your host, Kyle Wood, and today we're going to be looking at Burton Morris. Burton Morris was an adventurous child. He loved comics, and in his mind, he was the hero of his favorite comics as he acted out the adventures. One day in 1967, he was on the monkey bars pretending he was Tarzan when he fell. It was a bad fall. He broke his femur. That's the long bone in your leg down in your thigh. In those days, that meant a cast covering a large part of his body. For two months, he could move his arm and his hand, but little else. To continue with his hero's journey after the call to adventure on the monkey bars, I suppose the broken leg would have been what Joseph Campbell called the belly of the whale stage. He began his metamorphosis, or transformation, into an artist. While confined to a body cast for two months, Burton Morris found drawing to be his outlet. He particularly liked to draw his favorite comic heroes. When he got to be a little bit older, around 12 years old, his family would go to the museum in Philadelphia, and he was captivated by the work of Albrecht Dürer. Now, Durer was a printmaker in the late 15th and early 16th centuries. The thing about woodcut prints at that time, at least in Germany, they were basically just black and white. A woodcut print is a block of wood etched to form a stamp, and the printer would lay ink on top of that. Essentially, it's black and white. You have the color of the ink and the color of the paper. So how do you create gray when all you have are black and white? Printers would use what we call hatching lines. The idea is the more lines you have and the closer together they are, the darker the shade will appear. As lines are thinner and spaced out to allow more of the white of the paper to show, it creates the appearance of a lighter value. Morris was fascinated by this use of line within the prints. Now, when he finished his schooling, Morris followed in the footsteps of one of his artistic heroes, fellow Pittsburgh native Andy Warhol. Like Warhol, Burton Morris started in advertising before shifting over to the quote-unquote fine art. In advertising, it's all about repetition to create a brand identity. So I suppose I should take this moment to remind you you're listening to Who Arted Weekly Art History for All Ages, and if you're enjoying this content, please be sure to leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Now Morris, as an artist trained in advertising, knew he needed a repeated element to become his signature style. He settled on triangular shards, as he calls them. 
With his flat painting style, the shards allude to hatching, giving a sense of value, but also, because they're triangular, the jagged shapes create a sense of action and movement. They're visual interjections screaming, this is a Burton Morris piece. This deliberate branding effort, applying commercial art practices to his studio, paid off. His work has been seen and enjoyed by millions of people through high-profile placement of his works in, for example, the hit NBC sitcom Friends. Interesting how that came about. I was reading an interview where he explained it was actually kind of a fluke. He had printed up t-shirts and one of the camera operators on the show Friends was wearing one of his t-shirts printed with a baseball player. Now, David Schwimmer, one of the lead actors on the sitcom, was going to play his part in a baseball scene, and he actually took the shirt from the camera operator and put it on. So then Burton Morris, one Thursday night, is just watching TV and he sees his t-shirt on one of the lead actors of one of the most popular sitcoms in America. One thing leads to another. He actually calls Warner Brothers the next day and got in touch with the creator of the show. Well, the creator actually loved the shirt and asked him about other artworks. So from then on, not only did they feature his artwork on t-shirts worn by cast members throughout the series, but also in the background in Central Perk, the coffee shop where all of the characters would get together, every season they put a new piece of his artwork up in the background as set decoration. While millions of people saw his artwork in the background in a super popular sitcom in the late 90s, that wasn't his only commercial success. He's worked with numerous companies, creating painted versions of their products perfectly suited for use in ad campaigns. And in addition to those corporate gigs, he's been hired by many high-profile individuals as well, including celebrities like Oprah Winfrey and even the President of the United States. President Obama hired him to paint a guitar. Like all the best pop art, Burton Morris's work helps us to see the familiar in a new way. His paintings give us bright, colorful, almost clip art versions of everyday objects. But I think at its best, his work shows us how objects can reveal insights into their owner. I think my favorite series of his works would be the nightstand portraits. There's something intriguing about a portrait that is formed by looking at a collection of objects rather than the person. We see each individual object as a clue, and the nightstand specifically seems like clever staging. There's something deeply personal about a nightstand. When we're kids, our bedroom is the first place that we claim as our own and feel empowered to customize to our tastes. Even as adults, our bedroom is a personal refuge. As we go to sleep, we're vulnerable and unguarded. The items found on the nightstand feel like a peek at the authentic self, and yet these works are painted in a way that feels flat, commercial, even superficial. There's an interesting play with these contradictions happening. At first glance, they seem almost comically simple. But as I've said so many times, with a great work of art, there's always more than meets the eye. 
Just a reminder for everyone, I'm doing these daily mini episodes in the run-up to my annual Arts Madness Tournament. Make sure you tune in in March as you, the listeners, will get to decide which is better in a series of head-to-head matchups, taking us from 64 down to one ultimate Arts Madness champion. You can find more information, including the brackets, linked in the show notes or at whoartedpodcast.com. This concludes this week's episode of Who Arted, part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. If you found this tolerable, please leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. You can find images of the work being discussed this week and every week on social media at Who Arted Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and of course on the website whoartedpodcast.com. Podcast done.